for me, it's so fulfilling to see others grow so that other people find that voice inside themselves and to f that they find the courage uh, to do why they're here for. And uh, yeah, that to just to be able to enable that, to contribute to that a little bit. I mean, I'm not doing it, you know, they do it themselves, but I sort of help to make it happen. That to me is so fulfilling. You Welcome to the Creative Leadership Podcast. My name is Mark. And my name is Rod. And today we check in with Think Coach Betty DeHaan on bringing the most out of people. Betty, could you tell us the story of your name? Yeah. It's, um, I think, a wonderful mix of the first name of my grandmother on my father's side and the grandmother on my mother's side. The mother of my father, she was named Belia, and the mother of my mother, she was named Elizabeth. So my parents, they mixed the two and they made it Betty. So it's Belia, Elizabeth, and the, shortest, the short version is Betty. And to add on top of that, but that's a bit of a yeah, detail I always struggle with. Like deep down, I really wish they had chosen for Belia because I like that name so much. But then, I mean, yeah, I can't, uh, I feel it's, I just can't change it, you know. My parents chose for that. But deep down, there is a voice inside me that says, oh, I wish it had been Belia. There's Did you have a chance to name something or someone else, Belia? Is there something or someone around <laughs> you, like a little rooster in your house that you got to call yeah. Belia? Well, my one and only lovely daughter, she got the name Belia. Yeah, so she's named Nena Belia. So the name of my grandmother she, it lives on in my daughter. So, yeah. How would you introduce yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Because my, my, my profession and my non-professional life, they're so interwoven as a, as a freelancer. I mean, I'm working and not working, that's sort of blurry. So, but I, I really feel like uh, a coach. So my answer would be, yes, I'm a coach and I'm a trainer. Sometimes I'm like a training coach and sometimes I'm like a coaching kind of trainer. And um, yeah. It really is about what I'm concerned about maximizing people. And that means that, and this also ties to my mission, that it's really for me about getting the, enabling people to make the maximum version of themselves. And I would like to enable them. That's what I do for 25 years now. And it's also, or 26 even, and, and it's also, when I'm not working, this is also my mission for my children, you know, to maximize these two wonderful individuals so that they can become the maximum version of themselves. And I feel that's such an, yeah, it's a joy. It's, I feel so grateful to, to be able to do that. And, and it's so much fun. So you can hear the joy. Yeah. And and it seems like you already touched on it, but since we're, we're very structured at the beginning of yeah. our podcast, we'd love, we'd love it if you could summarize three reasons why you do what you do. And I think you touched on it just yeah. now in your answer. Yeah. Well, um, three reasons. like Three bullet points. And then Mark and I would, yeah. will choose yeah. one yeah. that we really yeah. like. Well, see, like 
what I wish for people and what I really work on with people, and that's what I'm concerned also what it's about, because I mean, it all, so work-wise it evolves around the word personal leadership. So how do you lead yourself through life? Um, I think there's three things. Like the first, what I'm concerned is to really know where are you heading? What is your north? Let's say, like, where is your compass leading or pointing at? Because if you don't know where you're heading, I mean, you can wander around just like Alice in Wonderland, you know, and then you ask the Cheshire Cat, where should I be going? And he says, well, if you don't have a goal, you could go basically anywhere. You always arrive somewhere, you know? So, and it gives people focus and it also enables them to make choices in their lives. Um, So having a point, a dot on the horizon, that's one thing I think is really about it. And then secondly, um, for me, it's also imp- that people um, know themselves what they are and who they are, uh, what their qualities are, what their, their traits are, what their values are, what their needs are. So what is inside them, in their hearts and in their souls and in their minds, and how can they apply that in an optimal way to get to that dot on the horizon? Because traveling that road is also helping them to, because that's their mission, so that really gives them the, uh, the that enables them to live the maximum version of themselves. When people live their mission, why they're here, then life gives them more energy than it costs, generally. So, you have the dot, you know like about yourself, your strengths and also your pitfalls. Um, you are connected with those. That's a lot of the work I do to connect people with what is there. Because we are not very trained in doing that, you know. In school there's hardly any, and, and also in the upbringing of people. Where do we learn to connect with what we feel and what we need? So, when people are connected there, and they know where they're heading, then the third bullet, what I'm concerned, is about finding the courage to listen to that all. Because often, like, limiting beliefs or whatever kind of stuff is stopping people from listening to their hearts. And... um, yeah, to also help them find the answer to, um, yeah, where do I find the courage, or how can I overcome the fear, or have the fear combined with action, and then go anyway, you know, that, um, yeah, those three things, is that an answer to your question? Well, actually, it's an answer to a question, but the thing that we're interested in finding out is, why do you do it? Why not do something else? What is the reason that attracts you to this profession, to bringing out those three amazing points in people? Okay. Well, um, because um, for me it's so fulfilling to see others grow so that other people find that voice inside themselves and to f- that they find the courage uh, to do why they're here for, and 
yeah, that to just to be able to enable that, to contribute to that a little bit. I mean, I'm not doing it, you know, they do it themselves, but I sort of help to make it happen. That to me is so fulfilling. And so that's why I do it. And I'm totally fine with doing that also, let's say, in the shadow. So, um, because it's not so much the recognition, but it's really to see what happens at the other side of the table. Um, that really feeds my, my battery, my, uh, yeah, that energizes me a lot. Mm -hmm. Is that two bolus now? <laughs> We're not counting. These are great. Okay. Um, I'm like I'm curious. Right now, we're having this interview at about uh, uh, twenty past two in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, and you and you originally asked us to uh, postpone our, our recording yeah. by about fifteen minutes because yeah. you had a coaching session just yeah. before. Yeah. And I'm curious what goes on with you in those fifteen minutes. What 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 do you need during that period uh, to sort of get back to the the person you wanted to be for this interview? Yeah. Oh, that's a lovely question. See, um, I know that the, these coaching sessions they are, can be very intensive, and in fact, this one was. Uh, so that means that with all my head and heart, I'm in that conversation. And at the same time, I know this habit of mine that I really, if I, I mean, this question for an interview, I'm quite a perfectionist, you know, so I really want to be the best version of me and do this perfectly, which is total nonsense, of course, but that's a voice inside me that says, I want that. So, and I know that if I really want it to be perfect, then I can have this habit of going to my head. And by doing so, the soul, if you like, escapes. And I don't want that to happen because I think you guys would like to hear something about my heart and my soul in this conversation rather than a brainy uh, uh, answer to your questions. And in order to go back to my heart and my soul, so to sort of like wash off the, what has just been happening, not be in my head still, but to come down here, um, I said, well, let me give myself, ask for 15 minutes. And uh, yeah. And what helps me there as well that you guys, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that it feels very comfortable. So, and you said explicitly like, I don't, ha it doesn't have to be something or like there is no right or wrong or anything and that we can edit the whole stuff. So that, yeah. We can edit it in a way that you say anything as a matter of fact. That's right, yeah. We're, we've, we have enough of your uh, voice right now to manipulate it, to say anything we want. <laughs> and using AI, it will yeah. be fascinating to hear what comes out. Yeah, wonderful, <laughs> excellent, yeah. Yeah, so, so that, and uh, yeah, so that helped me. <clears throat> so you've been doing this work for quite some time, over a quarter of a century. Yeah. Um, what is your emerging dot on the horizon? So what is it you want to achieve with it and how has that developed over time? Well, personally, I believe that, I mean, I don't really have a proof, but I do believe that very early in life, or maybe we're even born with that mission for ourselves and this so that there's my mission um, 
is really about enabling that personal leadership to maximize people. And that's what I've been doing over the last 26 years, first as a trainer and then as a trainer and a coach. First more at a skills level, and now it's much more at a deeper level, you know, where it's about what is driving and stopping people. And I just see myself doing that till the end of my life. I mean, nothing with pension or stuff, you know. I just enjoy it so much. I do see that things will, like the balance will go a bit more from a trainer and like I'll be training less and coaching more. I have this sort of image in my head where I have this lovely house and a coaching uh, sort of like room or space in the house and the, we, people just come to my place and it's nice and it's green and lush and we can be in the garden or maybe it's a little garden house or something and then I can do that. I could do that till the end of my life, you know, to just... Uh, yeah, it doesn't cost me energy. Uh, it gives energy, so it feeds me. And uh, as I said, uh, like I'm feeding myself also by, yeah, almost like you get your car checked up every now and then. That I also like do things so I can keep my professionality up to scratch. You know, by mirroring myself with other professionals and and things so that's what I'll be doing also and how do you do that well by um, by training or like go uh, doing courses myself uh, also to be in like little groups where there's like the collegial consultation or the uh, and sometimes even asking for a coach to coach me um, or to just yeah, share with with colleagues and um, yeah to keep to, to to be sharp to be inspired to yeah to get feedback because it's also especially as a coach it's quite a lonely existence you know like you're locked up in a room with a coachee and that but yeah so you can also you could drift off somewhere in a space and get disconnected from whatever so. Um, yeah. What's the most recent car checkup that you've done? Yeah, I'm about to close off um, a course, a very intensive, wonderful course that I did uh, on character structures. And I won't go into the content of that because it would much be much too complex. But what I can say about it is that I feel very grateful that in my profession, when I do a course... I mean, unlike an accountant, for instance, or a, a lawyer, like with me, when I'm in a course, there's always two sides on things. Like, on the one hand, I'm learning how to deal with my clients and how to improve me working as a professional with my clients. But at the same time, we need material to practice on. So I and me and all my other participants in such courses, we are also the material to practice on. So that means that I get like the treatment. I also have to unveil myself and dig inside myself uh, because the others need to also learn what they're learning onto a subject or onto a uh, like I'm the learning subject as well. So that means that during these courses, I learn a lot about being a better professional. And at the same time, I learn so much about myself. Um, 
that's one thing that I find very important in doing these courses, because then I, I uh, yeah, develop myself. And secondly, I also think it is, is absolutely necessary uh, to know what it feels like to have these, uh, let's say, uh, approaches or interventions to experience them. Because I should know what I'm doing to my own clients, you know, and if I haven't experienced it myself, um, yeah, I can't really know what it feels like to also uh, be my own client. And uh, maybe, uh, so it is very good, I know what I'm asking from them, you understand? So, um, yeah, that makes these courses generally very intense, very enriching. I always feel completely knackered after that, but at the same time I feel very uh, inspired and, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, like as if I've been on the, uh, on the charger for my telephone for, and that this, this thing is at 100% again, you know? So, um, yeah. You mentioned your your kids earlier yeah. on. They're they're not kids. They're grown ups, but yeah. they are your kids. Yeah. I'm just wondering what the relationship is between a coach and their kids and their the people that they coach. Yeah, well, that's again is a lovely question, and there's so many dimensions to that. Um, now let me try and begin with what I feel is the most important one. That firstly is like becoming a parent is such a deep experience that I can't imagine doing this work, or if, I, I can, but I, it would have been so differently if I had not been a mother. Um, so that is one thing that I, it really enriched my life. Kids are like a mirror for me. Uh, whatever profession I would have had, but now it is even a bigger mirror than anything. Um, it also enables me to empathize much better with people who have children. Because, I mean, yeah, for them, I mean, life really changes when you have children. So I don't know how it would have been if I had no children, then how to empathize with people who do have children and the struggles uh, uh, as a result, or like also the, 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 the joy, of course, but it's also often about the struggles, about combining things with kids and everything. And, um, I mean, I'm, my kids will laugh when they hear this, because uh, I also sometimes, like, use them as a, uh, uh, as a guinea pig, for instance. Like, if there was an exercise, for instance, my daughter in particular, because she loves, I mean, she's also a bit in this field, or, like, trying to get into this direction of human development. Um, and... So we talk about it a lot, and I sometimes like ask her, how would it be, or I, I, uh, would you please want my guinea pig, then we try something, and um, yeah. And of course, I mean, especially the coaching, when I learned how to become a coach, this was in, in the days when they were still very young, like around five or seven years old, and there I could really apply these coaching skills on my children, you know, and I see now what's become of them, you know, that it's much more about, yeah, enabling them and uh, uh, then telling them how to be, uh, 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 how they should be, you know, like it's not about me, but it's about maximizing them. 
So I feel very grateful that at the time I could really like practice with them and uh, yeah, now they've become like well-balanced, uh, autonomous uh, youngsters. Yeah, and I wish for everybody, you know, to be autonomy, autonomy and, 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 and well-balanced. That's what I wish for everybody. So that's why, that's maybe the third bullet I just missed out. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I, I wish for Giving people. people the autonomy. Yeah. yeah. And is there moments where that doesn't work? Where for some reason you're not getting there? And what do you do? Ah, yeah. I like that question too. Now, I mean, without sounding arrogant, I, there was a time I could struggle with that. Um in particular situations. It's usually to do with the dynamics between me and a client. And maybe I could say something about the why there later on, if there's still space. But what I can say now is that what I've discovered, that I always look for something that I could love in the person. So even when I notice that the client, the participant, is like touching something in me that is annoying me or making me insecure um, and that makes me maybe want to move away from the situation or to become judgmental, um, that I always try and say to myself, everybody has got something inside them to love. So I start looking for that and then I notice that the tension and the judgment um, that it's easier to put that aside. So the barrier sometimes is yourself. And to uh, overcome... Uh, always, yeah. You have to yeah. start loving yeah. others. Yeah. Since you experience this regular uh, maintenance, as you call it, by going to a coach, by, mm -hmm. by going through these experiences yourself, are you critical yourself? And if so, how do you deal with that criticism? Right. And this is being critical about other people. Yeah. 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 Now, there we touch on to something that I haven't mentioned, but is very, very important for me. And it's one of the most valuable things I learned in the profession I have. And that is to be aware of the violence in being critical, the violence in judging. And in my profession, when I'm judgmental, especially in coaching, when I'm judging, I'm disconnecting with the person opposite me. So I've learned not only because it helps me as a professional to not judge or to sort of like separate the judgment from the conversation and to park my judgments, if you like. Um, also learning that not judging gives so much peace and rest that I... I mean, really, honestly, I hardly ever find myself judging. So the answer to your question is like, um, yeah, I just, I, I hardly have an opinion about what other people then do, unless I need to have an opinion. But generally, it's just like it is, you know. And I mean, really, that gives me so much peace and rest because I mean, life costs already so much energy, you know. So why be judging? This, yeah. Not very helpful. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And on that... Yeah. ...brings us to our lightning round. Lightning round! Um, 
we have a couple more questions for you. So the first one is, do you have any recommendation for people listening to this? Some cultural experience could be a movie, a TV show, a book, a book uh, uh, some piece of music, museum, mm -hmm. anything that you would like to recommend that has meant a lot to you. Yeah. Well, in fact, there's two things I would like to say. And the first one ties onto what we just said. Because what is really like a red, like a like a thread in my co professional career, is um, the nonviolent communication movement. The like by uh, um, uh, Marshall Rosenberg. You wrote the book, right? He wrote a book, and it's a movement, or yeah, movement. I don't know really if that's the word, but like it's an approach of connecting people and I discovered that 25 years ago and that is also the basis on this like replacing judgments for uh, looking for what it is that people need and what they feel to connect with one another. So that is really like the pair of glasses I'm wearing all day long. I'm always looking at like what is it people need to connect or what is it they lack why they don't connect. So, and that could be with themselves, connecting with themselves or connecting with others. So that to me has been a complete life changer. And I would recommend it to everybody. I use it daily in my practice. And secondly, when you ask about arts, and that could be like the uh, arts, like in the Rijksmuseum or in the, but also the musical arts. Um, for me personally, it is really also like a recharger. Like I get so much energy from enjoying art. It's a way to get out of my head, into my heart, into my soul. And I should do it much more often because it feeds me and it makes me just very happy and grateful. And is there any particular art that you would recommend? Uh, anything specific that someone could Well, maybe enjoy? it's just nice to, to, to say that, like I told you about the course I nearly finished now next week and we had to write an essay for that and what I did is because it's so much about me and about emotions and about I picked out like I looked at all I, I was thinking of all the arts I've like seen the museums I love the, 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 the paintings I love and I made a collection of let's say seven eight paintings and I chose these paintings because for me they make they they carry in them they represent a particular emotion. For example, a painting with a lot of fear or a lot of sadness or a lot of longing or a lot of um, pain. Or I mentioned that one already. Anyway, so I chose the painting and then used that to illustrate the essay. And to illustrate not only it as, like, then it becomes a nice document, but to also illustrate, like, what I was writing there to add to it a nice painting, uh, like a painting where you see that particular emotion. So, um, yeah, just like paintings can, uh, let's say, magnify emotions, there's lots to see in paintings, especially like when you think of, 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 of the Rembrandt or the... Uh, Velasquez or whatever, and also in music. I mean, music is a is an emotion carrier, you know. So, at the end of the day, 
I always tune into myself and say, okay, Betty, what are you feeling? And what music would match that right now? Do you want to magnify the emotion? Or maybe you want to replace the emotion with something else? So I try and sort of use buttons there to choose the music that influences the emotion and uh, yeah, use art to get grounded again and to get closer to my heart, yeah. I like that, that's almost like a mission. Go to the museum and categorize paintings through, through your emotions. Yeah. It's really lovely. I never thought about doing yeah. that. And then finally, is there a thing that you do regularly? Um, a daily ritual or a weekly habit, something that helps you be who you are? Well, um, what helps me, um, I'm like a very, uh, let's say, structured and organized person. And not so much because it makes me proud, because sometimes I look at myself and I say, oh man, please, you know, it's so structured. But the, the structure also gives me peace of mind and rest. So it's maybe a bit of a general answer, but I'm very disciplined. So that means that I have... And does that work into something you do every morning? Do you check something? Do you create something at night? Do you go through your day? Mm. Yeah, they're a bit boring things, you know, that like it's at particular times I get my coffee at a particular time. I always have my coffee at a particular time. I always have my wine at a particular time. I always want to know about the news before I go to bed. Um, and um, yeah, I always want a salad for lunch. And uh, I always want two glasses of wine per day, not less, not much more. Um, Ah, so it's yeah. a lot of moments throughout the day yeah. when you structure it. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, and that gives me peace and rest. And uh, yeah. Thank you very much, Betty. Yeah. Thank you, Betty. You're welcome. It was really a joy. Thank you so much. You This has been the Creative Leadership Podcast. My name is Rod. And my name is Mark. And thanks for tuning in.